Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. There should be a holy excitement for God's word, especially when we talk about relationships. Now, I'm not just going to talk to those that are married. I'm actually going to start off uh, talking to singles. Any singles in the room that would say, yes, I'm single and I'm proud of it. I'm excited for what God has for me. Amen. I love it. I love it. You could see those that are single start looking around immediately. Okay, who, who's available? <laughs> hey, it's a good thing, amen? It's a good thing to, uh, to be single. It's also a good thing to be married. And so I want to let you know ahead of time what my goal is, what my purpose is. So I'm going to give you a purpose statement. My purpose over the next three weeks, because this sermon series, Winning Together, will be a three-week series. I want to talk to my singles and tell them how special it is to be single, and also share with them some deal breakers in terms of relationships they may have been in or still be in that maybe need to end and or drastically change. I want to talk to those that want to get married and how to prepare themselves for marriage, and I also want to talk to my married folks and let them know how special a gift you have. Don't squander it. Some of our guys uh, took that alley-oop and just slammed it down. Because right when I said that, they looked to their wife and said, you're a gift. <laughs> and uh, you can't hardly teach that. That's natural right there. Guys, you gotta, you gotta, you're going to have to stay with me. I'm going to give you several of those right up at the rim. All you got to do is take it and, and jam it home. All right? But um, this is what I want you to know. Marriage is a gift from God, and the enemy is trying to destroy it. But greater is he who is within you and your marriage than he who is in the world trying to destroy it. So gird yourself up and declare that you can overcome because he has already overcome. And so I want to remind you marriage is a gift. In fact, ladies, do you realize that the Bible speaks a lot about how blessed a man is to have a great wife? You are a blessing from the Lord. And it goes all the way back to the creation story. In the creation story, the Bible says, uh, and, and the Bible shows a clear pattern in creation. What do I mean by a clear pattern? Day one comes about, and he creates and says it is good. Day two, he creates. He says it is good. All the way down to day six, where man was his crowning jewel uh, of creation, the, the, the cherry on top, so to speak. His, his prized creation is man, and he looks at man and says it is not Good. It is not good for man to be alone, is what I meant to say. It's not good for man to be alone. So he creates for him a helpmate, and then he says it is very good as he creates both man and woman. And so this is super, super important because so many times when we look at that, we tend to think, okay, The only real significance that I have is to get married. And if I'm not married, then then I must be missing something. But that's not exactly what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches it's good to be single. In fact, I'll show you a verse in a little bit, but I want you to be comfortable in your singleness. Because to be single is a gift from God. 
And too many times we let the enemy mess with our minds and help us or make us think that we have to be married. If we're going to be significant, if we're going to be truly fulfilled, we have to be married. And the truth is, when you're single, you get a chance to honor and serve God like married folks cannot. Why? Because married folks have these obligations of marriage and family, and you can run free saying, Lord, it's all about you, and as long as I'm single, I'm going to have my eyes firmly fixed on you, and I will give you the very best of my life. Amen? Amen. But some of us are so preoccupied, not with God, but I've got to find somebody. And I want you to be careful, because when you're desperate, It shows. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I meant to say. When, it's, when you're desperate, you compromise. You settle. You end up with something you could have had far better, but you were, your heart was so antsy and you just, had to, you just had to do it. And lo and behold, you end up paying the price. So you want to be careful with this. Now remember, ladies, you're a blessing. So the Bible says... He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, it goes on to say, house and wealth are inherited from fathers. But a prudent wife, that comes from God. He goes on to say that a wife is more precious than rubies and precious stones. A good wife is super, super important. This indicates that, listen to me, Marriage is a blessing. And when marriage is a blessing, it's a blessing. But when marriage is not a blessing, it's not a blessing. (laughs) Come on, can anyone get with me on that? Let me put it to you another way. When marriage is bad, it's real bad. This is why the Bible also speaks, again, in terms of the wife, Please don't, don't hate me. Get this, take it up with God's word. But it is better to live on the corner of your housetop than in the house shared with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> oh my goodness, who said that? That is not an alley-oop. That is not a, <laughs> that's a, listen, a, continue, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. Now, this isn't meant to just highlight the wife. This is meant to highlight the idea that when we're at odds, men quiet down and the ladies don't know what to do because they can't seem to get the marriage moving in the right direction and guys tend to shut down and check out. And so we need to, we need to address these things before they get started. Amen? We need to get on the right track. Do you realize there's a saying in real estate? Location, location, location. Isn't there? But I'll give you another saying. It's not in the selling. It's in the buying. You make money not when you sell. You make money when you you buy. If you buy right, it's going to take care of itself. But if you buy wrong... Can I tell you, marriage is even more that way. You want a great marriage? It's in the choosing. If you choose wrong, come on now, no amount of attention is going to fix it. I need you to know 
Don't be in a hurry to get married. In fact, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, to the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single. Make sure you understand what you're doing because getting married, getting married is a serious thing. In fact, I want you to understand something. It's a covenant before the Lord. We'll talk more about that next week. But a covenant is different from a contract. So many times we think, well, I'll do this and you'll do that. No, this is what we both agree to do 100% before God. And God is the one that covers us. Marriage is a serious thing. So don't rush into it. Understand that your singleness is a gift from God. Don't be in a hurry. Learn what he's trying to teach you because so many times we think in these terms, I need to find the right person. Isn't that true? I need to find the right person. But a better thing to think is this, I need to be the right person. I need to be the right person. Let me, let me tell you something very, very important. Very, very important. Are you listening to me? Okay. You will find who you are. Did you hear that? Write that down. You will find who you are. Some people say, well, I need to look for a great person, but you're going to find who you currently are. What does that mean? I mean, so many times people think, oh man, I got this great list of this amazing person that I want to find, but they're living down here. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're living down here, but you're looking up here, what do you think the person up here is looking for? Oh, I get it. They're looking all the way down there going, I can't wait to find someone way down there. <laughs> no! You're going to end up finding exactly what you're living. That's what you're going to end up finding. See, the truth is this. There is, a, there is a, a great man of faith by the name of John Maxwell. I happen to have read many of his leadership books. And he talks about the 21 irre irrefutable laws of leadership and different things that he talks about. One of the laws is the law of the lid. Meaning if you have a lid on your leadership uh, ability doesn't mean you cannot raise your leadership ability just means this is where you are right now that's your coefficient that's what you've invested in that's what you've done that's what you've developed you're at this point you will never lead individuals at this point you will lead those under you it's the same way in marriage you are at this point in your development as a person guess what you're going to find you're going to find someone equal to or less than you go oh but i'm married up then you were blessed. I was blessed. But the truth is, you're going to find, depending on who you are. And this is why the Bible says, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Understand the law of the lid. Understand. So as I was preparing for this message, I started outlining my entire message based on God's word. And I had it all ready. But then I, I had a thought. I wonder what I wonder what those that maybe aren't in the Christian vein, what they're thinking about. What do they consider important? So I went to Google. <laughs> and I typed in, you can see it up at the top, relationship deal breakers. Come on, how many of you know there are deal breakers of which we need to be aware of and know if, if we should walk away from the deal? Can I ask you a question? Anyone ever made a deal that went south? that you regretted. Raise your hand if you've ever made a deal that went south. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand on this, but I guarantee you at some point along in that deal, you had a sneaky suspicion or you had a gut check. You had something telling you, I probably should walk away. 
What happens when you don't walk away? You end up paying the price. And so these are deal breakers according to Google. Abuse, lack of trust, unmotivated growth. That's kind of like a That's very subjective. It's kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? But cheating, that's definitely a deal breaker. Uh, Different views on raising children, constant conflict, uh, poor communication. And so I realized something, that based on what God's Word shows me, you you could group them into different buckets that agree with a lot of what God's Word says. Because the truth of the matter is we were... We were fashioned in God's image, and we have godly wisdom if we only consider it a little bit. But that's why we should go to God's Word and have it explicitly expressed to our hearts so that we could line up with His Word. And I found that in His Word, along with this list, you have different buckets like communication. How important is communication? We'll talk about it in a second. But communication is extremely important because God is a God of communication. He communicated his love towards us in his word. We are, we are made in his image. We should communicate what's inside based on our words. On the way that we interact with each other. Trust, values. We'll cover this in a second. Are you with me? But I want to give you the wor- verse on, by which we will, we will ground our entire series on. And it's straight from Proverbs 27 and Proverbs 22. I'm going to put it up here. And if you're with me, I'm going to read it slowly. When a wise person sees danger ahead, he avoids it. But a foolish person keeps on going and gets in trouble. You say, well, I'm not foolish. I'm just hasty. I'm just in a hurry. I just don't always make the best decisions. Well, the Bible calls it foolish, and I want you to understand that I pulled this from the international what? Children's Bible, because I want it to be as simple as possible. And this is what it's, it reminds me of a time, I was a very young man, and I was coming back from, uh, it was my very first week, I mean, first year of preaching. And I didn't have anybody to preach for me, so I was at a, at a family camp which we were leaders of, and we had to rush all the way back, all the way from Alto Frio, Leakey, Texas, which is right by Garner State Park, all the way back on Sunday morning. So I left about four in the morning, had to get here to set up the church and to, and to preach. And I took a young man by the name of Julian with me. He probably was about 19. So I've got a, like a 28-year-old and a 19-year-old. We're driving back, and he's making sure I don't fall asleep, because I tend to fall asleep like on the way to Austin. And, and Austin's like, what, 15 minutes away. I'll fall asleep, like no big deal. So he's keeping me awake. And then all of a sudden he says, Pastor Chris, what's that in the middle of the road? And I said, I don't know. And we're looking at this big black thing in the middle of the road. And he goes, I don't know what it is. I said, I can't tell either. Let's keep going. And I'm still going at 70 miles an hour. And I keep barreling towards it. And he goes, what do you, can you tell what it is? No, can you, no, 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 no. We just keep on going. Can, can you see which one I am? <laughs> now, I've grown a little bit. What's your excuse? No, no I, I'm just, I just like to put it straight, right? I've grown a little bit. Hopefully we all grow a little bit, right? But I'm going down the road. And this is what happened, Wayne's. When it's too late, I realize it's a big, dead bull or a cow or something 
that's swollen up. And I hit that thing at about 50 miles an hour and I bounced. Boom. You should have seen it. It was like Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Except you have exploding putrid carcass going everywhere on the car everywhere and we had to travel in that stench for two hours why because I chose not to avoid it can I tell you that's easy compared to making a bad decision in marriage and saying, hey, there's some deal breakers. There's some red flags. There's some non-negotiables. But yet, you know what? I'll just, I, I just, I just want to get married so bad, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to keep on barreling down the road. I'm just, I, who cares? Oh, no, it will show up. Amen? Come on, can I get a witness, please? And so the first non-negotiable, the first red flag, the first deal breaker is Jesus is not Lord of their life. Come on, if Jesus isn't Lord of their life, this is a deal breaker. Why is it a deal breaker? Well, according to God's word, the Bible is very, very clear. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't do it. Don't get involved with an unbeliever in a marriage covenant. Now, you know what? I, there's some foolish stuff that I've heard. And the foolish stuff I've heard is from, from some pastors that say, that's not talking about marriage. That's talking about business relationships. Can I tell you, a marriage is way more important than a business relationship. And if it applies to a business relationship or any other kind of relationship, you should apply it at the very top to your marriage first. You say, but pastor, I've actually seen my parents or so-and-so or so-and-so. They were a Christian, the other wasn't, and somehow they got it together. That's the exception, not the rule. That's the exception, not the rule. I can show you more times where it tore their marriage apart. Why? Because the Bible cannot be mocked. And the Bible says, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? You say, oh, pastor, but, but how could this work sometimes? The reason it works is because the unsaved person gets saved. That's the truth. The unsaved person gets saved. You say, well, I've seen it work where the unsaved person doesn't get saved. You haven't seen it work. You've seen compromise all of those years. Compromise. Where the saved person lives like less than a Christian for the unsaved person. That's the truth. Because the Bible cannot be mocked. And watch what the Bible says. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Later, I'm going to explain to you when Paul says you are the temple of the living God. And your temple should be joined with another godly temple so that when your spirits and your souls intermingle, there is something heavenly and godly taking place, not something that is opposite of that. This is what God is explaining, a deep mystery. You say, Pastor, get it. Be practical with me. I, I don't like it when you get all spiritual about it. Oh, be practical. 
You're going to have a difference in the way that you live your lives. Why? Because you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and they have not. And if they have not, then they're going to tug in a self-determining way and you're going to move in the way that the Bible teaches you to move. And that will play out in the way you raise your children. That will play out in the way you accept a job. That will play out in the way you're generous and you give to your church or other generous giving opportunities. It will play out in the way that you deal with unforgiveness and friends and and going out and, and staying in. And the things you watch and the things you don't watch. And the purpose of your life and the very reason you were put on this earth. It'll play out in every aspect. Why? Because Jesus is just not Lord over a portion of your life. He's Lord over all of your life. That's the truth. You say, oh, pastor, can I say something right now? Because I'm seeing it in your eyes. This is for singles. If If you're married and you're seeing some of these red flags, then you you take them to the Lord and you fix them. You don't go and say, Pastor Chris said, I'm divorcing you. (laughs) I would never give that advice, ever. It's unbiblical. Amen? This is for my singles. Can I get an amen? Singles. But for my married folks, you are to help them with godly counsel. Amen? And so it's important to have Jesus as head of your life. This is why the Bible says... Be gone, Satan, Jesus said, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Do you see what's going on? When you're a Christian, you worship and serve God. When you're not a Christian, you don't understand quite what's happening there. And we're called to walk together in agreement, which leads me to the next thing. The next deal breaker is they are selfish and self-centered. Ooh, do you realize that If you're not a Christian, it doesn't mean that a Christian cannot be selfish, but a good Christian dies to self, dies to self. A non-Christian has no understanding of what it is to die to themselves and let Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lead them. And so selfishness can become a problem. Self-centeredness can become a problem. Listen to what the Bible says about selfishness. Over and over and over, this is what we're called to be in the New Testament. Giving, selfless, generous. We're to give, put other people's needs ahead. And can I tell you, marriage is a, um, is a grand exercise in becoming selfless. Isn't it? Your marriage will not succeed if you're selfish. This is why the Bible says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Do you see how the Bible is saying you've got to learn to put the other person first? You say, Pastor, well, let's get practical. What does that mean in a relationship? It's always about me, myself, and I. You're always finding, uh, you always find yourself being the one serving them. They sit and wait while you do. They make you feel guilty for not doing enough. They're always complaining you should have done more. They're always uh, 
needing to be validated by you just being there at their beck and call. They don't know how to reverse the, the, the role and say, today I serve you. Today I show my gratitude towards you. Today it's about you. In fact, the Bible says we should outdo each other in serving and caring for one another. Not just to me, to me, to me. Because this is a real problem. And you say, Pastor, but if we get married, all of that goes away. Oh, no, 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 no. It only gets worse, which leads to point number three, poor character. Don't compromise on poor character. What is poor character? Oh, the things that the Bible says are out of bounds. Don't lie, cheat, steal. Don't mistreat people. How about the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. The Bible teaches on this all over the Proverbs, all over the Old Testament. You say, Pastor, but is this really a deal breaker? You don't understand, Pastor. They were just going through a hard time. They're under a lot of pressure, so they told a little lie. So they took something. So they cheated on their taxes just once. Can I tell you something? When they're going through a hard time, hard times expose what's really there. Does that, does that make sense? God might be allowing the pressure to build so that he can reveal to you what's really in their heart or on the inside. And if you see those red flags, those deal breakers, you need to what? Run. You need to say they're not ready. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to ask you at some point to have enough courage to walk away. You say, but it's going to hurt. Absolutely, it's going to hurt. But can I tell you, it's in that hurt that change takes place. Change might take place in you and in them. Doesn't mean God can't reconcile it, but I'll tell you something. You don't break up for three days and then go, oh, I missed you so much. Our song was playing on the radio and I just thought of you. You've got to give time for the Holy Spirit to what? To work it out. Now, poor characters in is, is important because you say, but it's not really involving me. It will involve you. At some point, it will, might sound something like this. Tell them I'm not here. Tell them this because well, why don't you tell them? It'll, it, just, just trust me. Help me on this. I'm in a tough spot. Isn't that the way it goes? And before long, their lie becomes your lie. And ultimately, a marriage is a covenant with the king of all glory. And so if you want a blessing, it comes from him. The Bible talks a lot about good character, trustworthiness, uh, sharing with one another, having the same values and beliefs. And this is why the Bible says, don't be deceived. Don't be mocked. Don't be fooled. Good, uh, excuse me, bad company will ruin your good morals. And then watch what it says next. Wake up from your drunken stupor. I want you to highlight that, okay? Everyone highlight it? I'm going to bring that up later. Wake up from your drunken stupor. You with me? Number four, toxic communication. If they talk down to you, that's a huge red flag. If they speak ill of you or towards you, that's a huge red flag. If they're always complaining 
and grumbling and being toxically negative. And they say, you say, well, why do you always have to be so negative? I'm just being a realist. I tell it like it is. I call it like I see it. Well, why don't you line up with God's word that says in faith, speak something better, amen? In faith, call the things that aren't as though they were. Yeah, we might be having a hard time, but I see a better tomorrow, amen? I see things could go looking up, and we're going to do what it takes because God is for us and not against us. And if he be for us, who can be against us? Amen? You've got to have someone that believes for tomorrow, not someone always just under the circumstances feeling down and depressed. You say, but pastor, that could be a sign of something they're struggling with. Absolutely. Listen to what the Bible says. Are you with me? The Bible puts it this way. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes plucked or picked from bramble bushes. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure of their heart produces evil. Watch, this is the key. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is being said in the relationship is revealing the heart. And so if they talk down to you, if they put you down, if they're always looking to one-up you, if they don't respect or value you, they're telling you something bad is going on, walk away. Amen? Now, some of us are saying, man, um, that's not them, that's me. See, right now I have everyone looking at the partner, but what if you're that person? You're about to get dumped. I'm just going to call it like I see it. You, you, better come up, you better come on up. There's another level to live at, amen? There's another level to live at. Why are you way down there? Why are you talking down to somebody? You say, Pastor, but it's hurt. We said it was hurt, and I have a soft heart for them. Absolutely. Typically, it comes from some sort of insecurity. An insecurity is fear. They need to connect with God and His love, not just with you. Because God's love drives out fear. Fear from past hurt. Fear from past failures. Fear and hurt and all the things that are mucked up inside that you are reacting to and you think that you're going to get better by putting someone else down or spewing toxicity on them. It doesn't work that way. Get along with God. Nail it to the cross. Let him forgive you. Line up with God's word and begin to be set free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is why the Bible says this is so important. You say, oh, pastor, no, 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 no. They, they're, they're never, they, they never speak down. They just get angry. The Bible says anger is a sin. In fact, the Bible says in your anger, make sure you don't sin because it's such a fine line. You go, well, what kind of anger is not sin? The kind that's angry about sin. The kind that says, I don't want to compromise. I'm going to live as a man of truth. I'm going to live as a woman of truth. And it makes me angry to, 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 to disappoint God. Amen? To disappoint God. But these, these outbursts of anger that people do and they kick things and they throw things and they act like fools, that's not right. Amen? It's not right. You say, oh, pastor, I shouldn't have shown up on this day. Well, you're almost done. You're almost done. Hang in there. Amen? 
God's word is good, amen? amen? And so number five, foolish and proud. Foolish and proud. You go, how is someone foolish and proud? Well, the Bible talks a lot about foolishness, and it's always around the aspect of you think you know best and no one else can help you. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't need help. I don't need to go to church. I don't need counseling. I don't need Christian brothers. I don't need anything. I, I got this. That's always mixed with pride as well because you don't have the, the security to understand you're not everything, that you can grow. Amen? And the Bible says this all along. It says the way of the fool seems right in their eyes, but the wise man listens to advice. The way of the foolish person seems right, but it'll lead to destruction. And so if they're not looking to improve themselves by gaining advice from others and growing from others and looking for wise counsel, then you have a huge deal breaker, amen? A huge deal breaker. Husbands, if you're already in a marriage, but you won't seek advice, wives, if you're already in a marriage and you won't you won't glean from the older ladies who have something of, of godly wisdom to share with you. You're headed for trouble. You've got to have the, the wisdom and the humility to put yourself under godly counsel. Amen. And, and, and let, me, let me share one more thing. Singles. If you're getting godly counsel from those that love you, that this is not the right person Listen to it. Listen to it. If your father and your mother or your disciple makers or your brothers and sisters in the Lord, those that care about you and are mature in the Lord, if they say, there's something about this individual I don't like, don't make excuses. Don't keep them away from them so that they won't be exposed. Instead, understand these people love me and they're giving me a good heartfelt warning. And the Bible says that the advice of those that love you and are mature in the Lord is sweet. It will sweeten your life. So if someone in your circle, if your whole circle doesn't like that someone you're with, come on now. It's time to walk away. It's time to get serious about really thinking about it. Now this is godly advice I'm giving you here. You say, Pastor, what's the last one? The last one is you're living in compromise. You're living in compromise. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you get with the person that's not making you better, they're making you worse. You're living in compromise. When you get with this person and all of a sudden you start withdrawing from those activities that were good for you, and you know they're good for you, but they're pulling you away from your family, from your loved ones, how about this one? When you start compromising your commitment to God's house, when you start compromising your commitment to Christ, when you start living less than you are called to live, you know that's a deal breaker. That's something that's not going in the right direction, and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And this is where I really might stress some of you guys out. Now, I want to share this with you. 
The advice I'm giving is godly advice. It's not worldly. And I know it's not conventional based on the worldly advice we're used to hearing. And because sometimes we're not used to hearing godly advice, we turn our nose up at it and it creates a sense of indignation. Am I right? So I want you to understand, while you may not be used to this or you may not have heard this before, it will bless your life. And I want to give you another piece of thought to go with it. Over the last 30 years, we've seen what marriage can do under a worldly mindset. How's that worked out for us? How's that really worked out for us? Oh, it's a train wreck. That's why so many people are scared of marriage. But I'm telling you, there's nothing to be scared of if you do it God's way. Because he's the author and perfecter of it. He, it was his idea, amen? Come on, anyone can give testimony to, I've tried it my way, and then I tried it God's way. And God's way is way better. Yeah. Amen? So this is where the hard piece of advice comes. When they've had you compromise sexually. Do you hear me? When you've compromised yourself sexually, if you're here and you go, well, pastor, that wasn't them, that was me, then you're the one I'm talking about. Because sexual intimacy was made by God for the purpose of the protected environment of marriage. Sex is a powerful, powerful thing. Why do you think the enemy is using it to destroy our society? It's powerful. And it was meant to bind someone, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually with someone else. It would be a bond that could not be broken. In fact, Jesus put it this way. What I put together, no man can separate. But we can separate. Well, when you do, how bad does it hurt? I've heard people say, I wouldn't wish divorce on my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy what my family has gone through in divorce and breakup and all that's taken place and what's happened to my kids. Am I right? But you don't have to just be married to experience that same hurt. You can cohabitate for years and be intermingled by this powerful union of sexual intimacy and experience the same hurt, and the enemy knows it. In fact, you're more liable to experience the hurt because there's no protection from God's covenant over you. I'll talk more about that next week. Oh, it's fascinating what psychologists are starting to realize about those relationships that never have a covenant of marriage. They're just like, well, let's just try it out. We'll talk more about that, but, but watch. You say, Pastor, why shouldn't I get with someone uh, sexually? Because, because sex is powerful and it's intoxicating. Did you know the Bible says that sex is intoxicating? It's a powerful drug. Come on, those of us have experienced it. It's, it's wonderful. It was made to be wonderful. Amen? But it's, a, it's intoxicating. The Bible talks about this in, in Proverbs chapter 5 and all through the Proverbs. And in the Song of Solomon, Solomon literally 
compares it to being completely under the influence of wine as he's kissing his beautiful bride. You go, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you it gives you beer goggles. (laughs) Anyone ever had beer goggles? You go, what are beer goggles, Pastor? Oh, yeah. For those of of you who never... um, had that experience, you have one too many and all of a sudden, you start seeing things differently. You start feeling better looking, you get looking. And everybody else starts getting better looking. And the later it gets, the better looking they get. But, but let's talk about these beer goggles. It lowers your inhibition, it lowers your standard, it lowers your faculties, that means it lowers your judgment or affects your judgment. You go, Pastor, are you telling me that if I'm having sexual intimacy, I'm under the influence of the intoxicating allure of this powerful thing called sex, and now I can't see them for what they really are? Hello. Yeah. You can't see clearly. You go, so what am I supposed to do? What did I tell you to mark? Sober up. Stop it. Get serious. You go, well, what am I supposed to do? Let me take you back to God's word. The Bible says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Oh, my goodness. So what should I do? Start cutting and start plucking. You go, oh, you're not being serious. No, what God is saying is that serious. It's going to cost you something. It's going to hurt. You mean I have to physically cut my hand off? No, you have, to, you have to change what you've been doing and it's not gonna be convenient, any more convenient than it would be to pluck an eye out. You might have to move out. You might have to set up different circumstances. You might have to take a break. You might have to involve accountability partners. You might have to set up some non-negotiables. We don't go here. We don't do this. We don't spend time alone in these circumstances. We've got to get serious about this because at the end of the day, we either get married or we go our separate ways and we bless each other in doing it because you're never going to find the right person if you're with the wrong person. Amen? Amen? You're never going to find the right person if you're with the wrong person. And if you're muddying up the waters and you have these big beer goggles on, you'll never see what I'm talking about. I love you, church. This is where we end. You might say, oh, pastor, 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 man. As you have a conversation with the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, can I pray a blessing over you? And first and foremost, let me let you know that I understand some of the advice I gave today based on God's word can be difficult because it's not what we're used to hearing. But it'll change your life. It'll change your life. change your life you say pastor 
I have one of these deal breakers. Is there any hope? Yeah, you can take it in. You can make it into a, a deal maker. But you're going to have to address it. You say, but it seems like so much hard work. Do you realize that if you don't address it, you'll have to address it after you're married and it's just as hard, if not harder. If not harder. So I'm not saying this because I don't love you. I'm saying this because I know what we've been through. And I've had to change. I was the guy that was foolish and proud. I told you, I, I was a jerk. And I used to say things like, this is just who I am. But glory be to God, God showed me in his word, it's who you were, not who I've called you to be. I saved you from that. And by the power of my blood, I'm calling you to more if you have the courage to walk it out. And then with his power, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he began to change me. I got into his word. I started hanging around other men of God that could advise me and teach me. I listened to my father-in-law's counsel when he sat me down and said, son, you're being harsh with your wife. He could have been angry with me as a father, but instead he spoke to me as a father of both of us, saying you'll get a lot further if you learn to treat her with love and kindness and care. And I began to change, and so can you, amen? So can you. But you've got to be willing to deal with it. Don't be fearful of it. Understand that all things are possible for those that believe. Believe. But if you're in a bad relationship and you're single, you might have to step away for a season and really work on some things, amen? If you're married and you're in a bad relationship because you've had some deal breakers that you haven't dealt with, then let me encourage you to turn them into deal makers by the power of the Holy Spirit. This church is for your marriage. I'll do anything I have to to bless your marriage. We have individuals in this church that will bless your marriage. Believe for it. Amen? Believe for it. Father, we know that it was your body that was broken for us. And we say thank you. We also know that it was your blood that was shed for us. We are forever grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week. <laughs>